All Love Always period podcast, where we love out loud, wear our hearts, share the message, and spread the love. You are love, and you are loved. Spread love, spread love, spread love. Spread love, spread love, spread love. Spread love, spread love, spread love. We gon' try to spread some love, ain't nobody got to know. Just a little motivation. If you spend all your time doing inventory on what you lost, you will never count up what you have left. Your future is never predicated on what you lost. It's predicated on what you have left. What you have left is enough to build something greater than where you are. And you have all the rich experiences that come through the atrocities you survived. You're stronger. You're wiser. You've proven things to yourself that you couldn't have learned any other way. That you could overcome everything that happened to you. So start looking ahead. Nobody drives forward looking in the rearview mirror. Understanding that and and surging ahead with what you have been given and to appreciate time. I have a work ethic that they say is incredible. I mean, I can hang with the best of them when it comes to doing what has to be done. But I, I got it from watching my father well and then sick. He, he kept going. He kept moving. He kept producing all the way out. Work ceases to be work when you start to love it. When you love what you do. When you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So you you love it. That doesn't mean you don't get tired. That doesn't mean you should take vacations. That doesn't mean you should have self-care, all that. But self-care only has so much. After a while, you get tired of that sand on your back. And you say, okay, I got I to gotta do something. Because we were made to be productive and creative and resourceful. And I want to tell every entrepreneur listening at me, If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And if you don't succeed that time, try, try again. And if you don't succeed that time, try, try again. And if you don't succeed that time, write a book about what you learned from how you failed. There's always something to do with what you have experienced. My legacy is pouring whatever I experienced into who's listening. That is, that is my legacy. That's proof that I was here. If, 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 if at the end of this interview and the end of reading my book, I added something to your life that made you build a table out of a tree, then I built it too. Then whenever anybody asks you about the table, you'll tell them about this guy you met in the interview. You know, that, that's how we have survived for centuries. That's how my people withstood slavery and the atrocities of our lives. Because in the midst of all of the horrendous things we experienced, we still clapped our hands and we still sang our songs and we still managed to be creative and we are still here. So so don't tell me about trouble through, through hanging nooses and rapes and burnings and killings. We sang. 
and and my legacy is is that you dance and sing and survive and and do something i'm not saying that you won't have opposition and trouble and tears i don't have to write about that that will find you on its own agony will always find you on its own it's ecstasy that has to be has to have your address on it so i'm sending you the potential to to go beyond agony to the ecstasy of fulfilling everything you were created to be and that's my legacy it's in the people that heard me and read my books and saw my movies and traveled around the world with me uh it's in my children I, when i'm writing i'm actually imagining that i'm having this conversation and my book reads like i'm talking uh like i'm talking to you and you know that from reading it it sounds like we're having a conversation with a friend i'm actually talking to you i'm through the book i didn't drop the mic and don't you drop it either and something of what i said will make it into your book and something of what you said will make it into the book of the person who read it and that's how we have progressed for centuries and eons and millenniums because we passed the mic we didn't drop it If you lose your ability to hear, eventually it will affect your ability to speak. Because there is a correlation between what the ear hears and what the mouth articulates. On the impetus of that ideology comes this tremendous premise of listening. Every great orator is a great listener. And I think we have lost not our ability to speak, not yet but we have lost our ability to listen because the only thing we do is pause while we formulate our next approach to attack and that's not listening uh that's strategizing but if we actually take the time to listen most of us all want the same things most of us want to be loved most of us want to be appreciated Most of us want to be accepted flaws and all. Most of us if we have children want what's best for our children. Most of us are scared. Most of us are anxious and are worried. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we communicate? We we're, we're better together than we are apart and we don't have to agree about everything. But in the process of meeting I found it's hard to hate somebody you understand. And in the process of meeting, your perspectives broaden. Sometimes to the point that you are ejected from the tribe because people who are not exposed are intimidated by people who are exposed. The people who are exposed it's worth it to lose the sanctity of your citizenship and the tribe of how you describe yourself to enter into the broader world of a human experience before you die i would hate to die in a zip code having never left the neighborhood that i was born in mentally uh and not experience the world the world france and ethiopia and australia and millennials and boomers and gen xers there's something to be learned 
and people of faith and people not of faith. We, we need to communicate to survive as a species. If you're going to be successful in business today, you cannot build your business around people like you. You have to build your business in a very broad, eclectic way because the world is becoming broad and eclectic. And a narrow mind also causes you to be less successful at the end of your career because your niche marketing, an item that could have a broad appeal if you didn't think within the prison of your own experiences. I almost quit. I'm a country boy, I'm from West Virginia. I don't know nothing about this big time stuff. I just, I never even asked to be big. I wanted to be effective, not famous. Famous is the consequences of being effective. I didn't know nothing about being famous and I didn't like it. And so there I was. And when you first knew, everybody attacks you first and figures you out later. Because though we say you're innocent until proven guilty, the reality is you're really guilty until proven innocent. <clears throat> but I didn't know that then, and I was young, upstart. You have to understand that you're looking at a 60-year-old man, but you're talking about something that's happening to a guy in his late 20s with little kids. And the first time I was in the Washington Post, the article was so vicious it made me nauseous. I was so shocked that you could say that stuff about somebody you didn't even know based on assumptions and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. They piece it all together and you don't get the same thing back. So I decided I don't want this. I was preaching for Pastor Bishop Donnie Mears and I was, nobody knew it because preachers can override their feelings and function. I preached the place was on fire, but inside I want to quit. I told God, I'm through with this. I'm not going through this. I don't need this. I don't, see, I don't need that. I'm, I'm a guy who likes to go get his own chicken wings. I don't have to have all of that stuff to be happy. Because I wasn't raised with him. I can make it. You throw me an apartment right. and give me just a, a little skillet, a cast iron skillet. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and some season salt stuff and a couple of wings. I will run you out of here. I will run you out. Okay. Okay. So I said, I'm not doing this no more. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this because I don't need this and I didn't ask for this. I'm only doing this because of, of what happened in my life, of the circumstances that happened in my life. He put me on stage. I didn't ask for it. And when I saw how much it cost, I thought, you can have that right back here. You can have that right back up in here. I don't need it. So I was mad inside. I was hurt. And uh, I stayed up in the fellowship with the pastors because I didn't want to go back to my room and sulk in my own sorrows. And they said, there's a lady downstairs waiting to see you. The service was over and the fellowship was over. The pastor was starting to leave. I was trying to outweigh her. I thought she'd give up and leave. And when I finally came down the steps, she was there. And she was just a willowy bit of a woman. And uh, she said, Bishop James, she said, uh, I've been in the hospital. She said, uh, I was pregnant in my fallopian tubes. And the baby died in my tubes. And 
and I was carrying around a dead baby, and the toxicity from the baby almost killed me. And she said, the only thing that kept me alive was hearing you preach. She said, if you hadn't been preaching to me every day, I swear I would have died. And then she looked at me and she said, it's for us. It's not for them. It's for us. It hit me so hard. I didn't even get her name. I got in the car and cried all the way back to my room because she reminded me why I was there. Spread love, spread love, spread love. We gon' try to spread some love. Ain't nobody got to know.